everyone. Welcome to the Fredonia edition of Family Church. And we're just so honored and thrilled to have you here this morning, uh, our church family, uh, all those watching via live stream all the world, uh, folks we haven't seen in a while coming back, so we welcome and greet each and every one of you. And uh, for those of you watching online, whatever we're doing here, you go ahead and do there. Uh, it isn't the same as being here, so we want to encourage you, if you can, come on out. But if you can't, uh, if we're worshiping God, you worship God. We're giving, you give. If we're opening up our Bibles, you open up your Bibles. That way you can be a participant in the service. Well, there's just a wonderful presence of the Lord uh, here this morning. And uh, so in that presence, let's go ahead and let's honor God with our tithes and our offerings. Uh, on the overhead screen, I'm sure there's... Uh, It'll show you many ways that you can give up there. And there it is, yes. And so, uh, you, you know the, the drill, you know, make your checks payable to family, church. And, and if you're tech savvy, there's a lot of tech savvy things uh, up there that you can get involved in. But if you're old fashioned and you just give cash or checks, we welcome that too. And so, we're going to receive an offering this morning uh, for the church. In Proverbs 11.24 says this, there is that that scattereth and yet increases. There's he that withholdeth more than is meat or what is right, but it tends to poverty. A liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered himself. Again, the Bible's talking about giving, and it, there is a law attached to giving. It's called sowing and reaping. What we sow, we reap. That's why Jesus said to give. Why? Because it'll give, be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And if anyone has done any farming, any planting, especially vegetation, you know when you plant a pea seed, you plant in the ground, you get more than just your pea back. You get it multiplied. And so God has designed throughout all creation that a seed, when it's sown, it is multiplied, and that's how God causes increase to come. And uh, so the problem is not with the seed. The seed will always produce. The, the shortage uh, in a harvest has to do how much of the seed that you sow. And that's what it's talking about. There is he that scattereth, and yet it increaseth. And you have to understand, uh, during biblical times didn't have the modern equipment we do thank god for modern equipment that you know you have these uh, pieces of equipment man they'll they'll dig dig a line and put seeds every so many inches and it does all the work for you one at a time a seed one at a time one at a time one at a time but in 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 the days of the bible they didn't have that equipment and you know what they did is they had bags of seed and they they would carry them, either a bag or in, in their, uh, I don't know what you call it, the robe or whatever. And here would be their seed, and they would go like this. They'd grab a handful, and they would scatter it. And that's how they plant. And so um, we all have a choice. We can be the American farmer. <laughs> Bam! Well, thank God that's going to increase. Thank God. The power is in the seed. No matter what you sow, you're going to get a harvest. But uh, if you're planting like this, like that, those seeds are going to yield the maximum uh, yield of that seed, but it will be limited. But bless God, if every opportunity, you just kind of, yeah, oh, here's an opportunity. 
here's an opportunity, here's an opportunity, here's an opportunity. Um, you know, naturally speaking, it says, well, what about me? What about my needs? Well, it says here, there's he that scattereth and yet increases. So you have to know every time you take away to give, it's going to come back multiplied, and it's going to come back more than you sowed, and so it causes increase. But it says here, he that withholdeth, and that doesn't sow, it tends to poverty. So we know this, a farmer that does not plant seeds cannot expect to harvest, no matter how diligent he prays. No, no farmer can go into the field and say, God, give me corn. Oh, God, give me wheat. Oh, God, give me tomatoes at least. And uh, he can pray and, and beller and cry and do miracle marches. And he can have a thousand confessions over in that field. But the Bible says, God's not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, he shall reap. And so it's just, again, another way of looking at it, that, uh, that our harvest, our abundance is tied to our giving. And that's why it says in verse 25, a liberal soul, that means a generous soul, shall be made fat. Now, right away, that would deter you from giving, doesn't it? I don't want to be fat. I'm trying to lose weight here. Well, you have to understand Eastern culture. Uh, fat means abundance. We know that naturally if someone, I don't like to use the word fat because it's relative, <laughs> you know, but when we have fat, that means we have more than enough that our body needs, so we have extra in storage. And so in that sense, that when a liberal soul shall be made fat, that means we have everything we need plus more in storage, more than enough. And so, um, you know, in this sense, all of us want to be fat. Fat with the Lord's goodness. And he that watereth shall be watered himself. That means when you give, when you help others, when you sow seeds, it will come back to haunt you. And so that's what we want. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So with that being said, we have our servers come forward. Again, this is for our normal tithes and offerings for the church. Of course, today is Mission Sunday. And we have a uh, a special offering right after this. I've got to find my offering here. Praise the Lord. And so let's go ahead and pray. Father, we're just so grateful and thankful that we can give. Father, you said that if we would scatter, if we would sow, if we would water, Father, we would have abundance. You said it, not us. And so, Father, we have this opportunity to sow our seed this morning. And Father, I thank you as we sow. Father, we call all the needs of Family Church met. We call it magnificent paid off. And Father, we say that every seed sown is multiplied. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And Father, in a prosperity sense that all of us are fat with your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for waiting on the people. As Pastor Scott said, today is Mission Sunday. And this is something we started uh, back in January. It came upon my heart that, uh, you know, we've been good of blessing the local church and traveling ministers that come in. We want them to come and be blessed that way. They can go to places that maybe uh, don't have a revelation of giving and, and be able to be a blessing throughout the United States. But uh, there's a whole world out there. And it just seemed good to my heart. I believe that God put in my heart to, to really... Uh, begin emphasizing missions and, and sowing seed outside the United States of, of America and start supporting missionaries, especially those that work in, in other countries, whether they reside there or whether they do uh, trips out in other lands and trying to 
endeavoring to reach the gospel. And so it's a wonderful opportunity we have right here in Fredonia that uh, we could sow seed that is touching lives all over the world. And uh, in heaven, we'll, we'll find out all that uh, all our seed is accomplished. It's going to be wonderful when you get to heaven that there'll be strangers coming up to you. But I guess in heaven there's no strangers. We'll be all family. Yeah. But they, they come to you, thank you for giving to this missions work. Thank you for giving to so-and-so. They came to my village or they had a crusade here. I got born again. I'm here because you sent them. And so praise the Lord. What, what a wonderful opportunity. You know, to, to be a blessing of that like that is reward enough, but also another opportunity to what? Scatter the sow seed. So it is a win, win, win uh, proposition here. And uh, today we're, we're, we're uh, directing to one of my trips uh, to Europe. And what do you mean, one of my trips? Well, for years I knew that I'd be traveling to nations. I, I've known that. I, I had a prophet back 30 years ago says, you're going to go to foreign lands. And I just put that in the back seat and so forth and uh, so for about 35 40 years I've been training for something and uh, my time is coming and so I know part of my mission and calling is to other lands you know what what we take for granted here uh, people are starving over there for and I, I know that's part of my call and I've had many many invitations to go overseas I mean many in a year just say why don't you come why don't you come over here and help us and uh, I just didn't want to do anything unless I'm led to. I don't want just to go and say, oh, I went on a trip and uh, get some ministry you know, medals or, you know, commendations. Look what I did. But I, I want to be sent of the Holy Ghost, you know, because I believe these things are holy and sacred. And uh, just in the beginning of this year, uh, the Lord just dropped in my heart. It's time to go. It's time to go. And so uh, we have our missionary work in Spain, which is, will be a catalyst throughout all Europe. And, uh, and so I, I let Reverend Richie know, and he was ecstatic. He was ecstatic because he's been asking me for years and years to come. I says, yep, yeah, I got a release. It's time for me to come. And so this is what I said. Well, I've never traveled to Europe. I, I, I don't know. I would like just to go out like, you know, Moses sent out the spies, I, just to spy out the land. I, I need to learn how to travel. You know, being different countries, different languages, different currencies. I've never navigated these waters. So I just want to follow you and do what you do. I'll tag along. I'm going to carry your briefcase and so forth. So I said, I really don't want to minister. I just want to learn. Well, that was a mistake. <laughs> and uh, then all of a sudden gets a call back. And there's this, uh, probably one of the biggest churches, in, I think, in Barcelona. Like I said before, uh, heard of me and want me to come and what is very interesting they do three services on Sunday and the pastor tells his congregation you can only go to church one Sunday a month why is that because there's no building big enough and they want to give everyone an opportunity to meet in a congregation so if everyone just goes once a month everyone gets an opportunity to serve and so here I'm leaving here and immediately I'm going to be preaching to a congregation, a large congregation, doing three services with an interpreter, all things I've never done before. And then there's other opportunities that have arisen and so forth. So um, the Lord has different plans than my plans. And so I'm going to hit the ground running. And so this, this is going to go concerning that European. This, you get to be on the foundation of a new door 
uh, into Europe and to other countries. I, I have invitations to, to Africa, all over the world. But we only go when God leads us. And so if we could just, you know, what I'm believing for is just for the plane ticket to get there. And it's a little bit more because it's a multi-city. I'm not just going into one city in Spain, then returning to the same airport. It's a multi-city thing. And so any gifts that would help us would be great. Again, this is to, to reach people in Europe. And so without further ado, uh, come on ushers, come on up. Uh, just make your checks payable to Family Church. Everything in this offering, whether you have the official Mission Sunday offering or not, will go towards that plane ticket. Amen. Which I already had to purchase because you have to purchase these things way in advance. So let's pray. Father, we're just so honored and thrilled that we can give and Father, just a, a new phase, a, a new door of opportunity, a new beginning for this church, for the ministry here. And Lord, we give, Father, towards that plane ticket, and we say all the needs of that trip are met. And Father, as people sow, as people water, it is given back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you very much for that. Praise the Lord. And we'll just call that plane ticket paid in full. Hallelujah. Well, um, once the offering buckets have gone by, and kids, if you have not left already, you can go to your program downstairs. Again, if you're online, if you want to get involved, uh, you can go ahead and give them. Just, just mark it uh, the missions trip. And we'll make sure that it'll go to FCI and towards the plane ticket. And guess what? Whenever we have these Mission Sundays, you don't just need to wait for Mission Sunday. You know, if you say, bless God, I just want to be in on this one, you can do it. We'll let you do that, you know, to take care of that plane ticket. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles here this morning, we're going to invite you to open them to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. For the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the topic of offense or being offended. Would you dare say it's an important message that needs to be heard today? Now, I, and not, not for us, because we know never to be offended, but there's a whole lot of folks being offended. Actually, in the world, there's an epidemic of being offended and people giving offense. It is celebrated, and it, it's it's. The individuals that are offended, they get the, the airtime on the news. And uh, with social media, the, the airing of offense seems to be celebrated. But I'm reminded of something Kenneth Hagin said, uh, my spiritual father. He said this, whatever evil spirits are influencing a city or a nation, if the church is not careful, those spirits will always try to get into the church. So we see that offense... And being offended is widespread in the world. It is a tactic of Satan to cause strife and division and separation from the place that we should be in. That if we're not careful, uh, those things can creep into the church. And that's something we will want to stop and not allow. And we said this about offense, and, and especially with us as Christians, uh, that offense can easily sneak in if it's not identified. We use this illustration, if all of a sudden, 9 o'clock this morning, you get a knock on the door or someone rings your doorbell, 
And you open the door and there's the devil. He's all red with, with horns and, uh, you know, he's got a pitchfork in his hand, a pointed tail, and he's got real heavy sulfur cologne on him and you've got to hold your nose and you open the door and you see the devil. He says, I'm the devil. I've come to steal, kill, and destroy. I would guarantee that all of us would say, no way, no how, goodbye, slam the door. Because you know you know, if, if I let him in, he's going to cause havoc. But if that same devil were to ring the door or knock on, on the door, then hide in the bushes, and you go to open the door, and you see no one there, then you take a few steps and you look, look around, and you see nobody, and while you're looking around, he sneaks in. How many know he, he uh, obtained his objective? He got you to open the door without you realizing you just opened the door to the devil. And offense is like that. That, uh, you know, when we just say the word offense because it's so vile and so ugly, we just say, no, 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 I, I would never be offended. I would never give myself to offense. But if there's attributes that uh, we think are normal or a normal response when something happens that uh, we think nothing of it, it still opens the door and he comes in. And so that's why we want to expose offense. We want to identify it in that way. We close the door on offense. And so our golden text that we've been looking at is in Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 1. And he, meaning Jesus, went out from thence and came to his own country, meaning Nazareth. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in their synagogues. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? What wisdom is this that is given to him, that even such a mighty works were wrought by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but his own country among his own kin in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went about their villages teaching. We've been focusing on the study, uh, what was recorded in verse 3. There's many spiritual laws. We looked at some of them. But in verse 3, it reads this, is this not the carpenter? I mean, this is what people are saying about Jesus and his ministry. The son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon are not his sisters here with us. And that little clause at the end and they were offended at him. The Holy Ghost saw fit to include that little phrase in this account. The Bible says that if everything Jesus said and everything that Jesus has done, if it were to be recorded or written, the world itself could not contain the books. But the things that were recorded were hand-picked by the Holy Ghost for us to learn things, for us to understand things. And here, uh, this count teaches us a lot about spiritual laws. And one of those things that affect our lives is 
offense, what we do with offense. Here Jesus was teaching in his own hometown. But the folks didn't like what he said. Folks didn't like what he was doing. Not only didn't they like it, they, they didn't agree with it, they begin to talk to other people about this. Hey, little guy, yeah, I remember him. He, he really shouldn't be telling us to do stuff. I mean, he, he, he's just, you know, we know his daddy. We saw him grow up, and, you know, that's wrong for him to say such things. By what authority do you say these things? Okay. The, these folks were just giving their opinions. What they thought of the guy, you know, in America, that's, that's everyday life. To share and to express our, our differences, express our, our opinions. But the Holy Ghost called this being offended. And it's important that we lay hold on the Word. The Word of God's definition, not our definition. An American definition says, well, you have a right to your opinion. You have a right to express the way you feel about things. There's not wrong with that, bless God. After all, you are an American. This is all right. You know, and, uh, but uh, we're, we're not going by the world standards. We're going by the words standard. And here, the Holy Ghost call, called their voicing of their opinions, their, their voicing of their disagreement and being disgruntled, an offense. And we saw this defense has a big price tag. And, and really, we, we see that, you know, that illustration about the devil knocking. You know, knocking on the door. You know, we wouldn't open the door to the devil. But if he were to knock and hide himself, we would open the door. This account in Nazareth just seemed like an everyday event. This seems like what, what church people do all the time with the pastor's sermon about their boss, about politics, you know, whatever it is. They just think, well, I have a right to express my opinion. It just seemed like no big thing. But we saw this. Their little offense, their daily offense, came with a big price tag. Number one, we saw real clear that God could do nothing in that service because they're offended. Even though God wanted to do something, the preacher wanted to do something, God could not move where there's offense. So it costs them the plan of God for that service, their little offense. But not only that, if we look at the bigger picture, it costs them the plan of God for their lives. Here, the Jews, uh, God sent Jesus to, to be their master, to be their savior, their redeemer, their Messiah, to change their lives. That way they can be born again. That way all of God's influence could be in their lives and they can live blessed lives in the kingdom of God because they're offended. They shut out the plan of God for their lives. They, they continue to live their lives as they always did. And so not only cost them service, cost them God's blessing in their life. And thirdly, you know, they died and went to hell. And these Jews says, well, what are we doing in hell? We're children of Abraham. And God will say, you know, I sent Jesus. I sent my son, but you were offended at him. And what I sent to save you, now because you turned your back, now, now you're damned for all eternity. Over a little... Little offense. You just say, well, so what? We had discussion at the dinner table. So what? We didn't like what Pastor said. We don't, we don't like this party of politics. A little offense opens the door. Now, that you may say, well, Pastor, you're, you're just reading into that. Well, 
let's ask Jesus what he, he has to say about offense. Again, a little review. We have newer people with us. Matthew 18, 7 through 9 says this. Woe unto the world because of offenses. Now we saw that woe means damnation, judgment. It means doom, gloom, and agony on the person. On what person in the world because of offenses? For it must needs be. That offenses come, but woe to the man whom the offense cometh. And he explains, Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off. Cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet, and be cast in everlasting fire. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and to be cast into hell fire. I don't know, that, that seems pretty strong, Jesus. You know, I'm offended that you're so strong against offense. But note the words of Jesus. Jesus said, hey, if it's your hands and your feet and they're causing you offense, you cut them off because offense is so bad. It's better that you have no hands or feet than to go to hell over an offense. And, and, and then the other one, you know, it says, if your eye causes you to offend, pluck it out. Now, we're, Jesus is not telling you to cut your feet off. There's a little disclaimer. He's not telling you to pluck your eyes out. What he's saying, that's how bad offense is. You know, woe. And notice, woe means judgment, damnation, condemnation, bad things. And notice where offense, if it's not properly dealt with, where it will lead. Jesus said, into everlasting fire. We saw that the offense of the Jews, when Jesus came to Nazareth, led them to everlasting damnation, hellfire. And so uh, we want to be careful not to be offended, you know, based on these. So we, we've looked at these things, but real quick again for review. So what is offense? If you looked in the, in the Greek, the Greek word offense, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but it literally means to sin or to fall or be tripped up. Now, if you just kind of go from that definition, it doesn't really make sense to us. But uh, the sense, I have a very expensive Bible program software, and it tells me in what sense these words are being used in context. And I'm just going to read it verbatim what it says. The sense here of being offended is to be appalled at someone or something. Remember, the people of Nazareth were appalled. How could he say this? How can he do that? And because they're appalled, it causes them to be in anger, shock, or offense. Now, this offense causes them to sin, stumble, or fall away, step away. And so, what offense is, is being upset, angry. You know, I don't agree with that. And uh, then that causes you to sin with that anger. And to separate you from your place of blessing that God intended for you to have. And it, it's a ploy of Satan. It, it is to get you to separate from your place. And, and we, we saw that. You know, and we're in a church, in a church setting. And you may know folks that, uh, you know, they went to church somewhere. And guess what? They got offended. And it's amazing how many times God leads someone to a place and offense takes them 
out of that place. And see, you've got to understand, you know, folks that are offended and leave church, that say, well, the pastor, Sister Susie, I don't like the music, it's too loud. You know, all these things, they just feel, well, I have a right. I, I can do anything I want, a church of my choice. But they don't realize that their being offended separates them from the place that God has for them, and it's opened the door to the devil. And they're just wondering, why my prayers don't work? Why, why am I sick? Why this is going on? And they don't realize it is because of their offense. Jesus said it this way, sheep without a shepherd are what? Scattered, uh, amplified, uh, bewildered, faint, uh, you know, distressed. And he says a sheep without a shepherd. And, and we understand this, that, uh, that sheep, as long as they're in the fold, as long as they're under the protection and guidance of the shepherd, the wolves have a very hard time getting at those sheep. Because back then, the sheep had a big billy club and beat them over the head with it. Today, they have 30-odd six with, with long-range scopes. You get anywhere near those sheep, uh, you fall down, then you hear the sound of your death. Bam! And so, wolves know, you know, as long as he's in the fold, as long as he's near a shepherd, we, we, we're going to have to work really hard to get one of those sheep. Because if we get near them, that shepherd's going to beat us. And... Uh, but if the sheep says, you know what? Being in this herd, being under the shepherd is bondage. I'm my own sheep. I can be just as good as a sheep outside the fold. And I, I don't need a shepherd. And just goes out with a little strut and says, bless God, I'm my own sheep. I'm just as good as a sheep as the rest of you. That's old bondage. That's for the crutch for the weak. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. They think they have a right to do such things. But they don't realize that their offense causes them to what? Separate. And what happens? They become wolf prey. And, uh, you know, Jesus gave this illustration to show us what happens to Christians. And so, um, doom, gloom, you know, and a, a downward spiral. And it allows Satan to give entrance in their life through this offense. And so, this can apply to church, but, you know, employment. Ah, you get offended at their boss, offended at, at, at a policy, and they get really mad. God may have given them favor to a workplace and made to help them uh, get a job. They believe God for that job, and God leads them there, and there's a supply, and, and God had a purpose for them being there. And what God led them into for blessing, they left over an offense. You have to understand this. If you ever leave a place because of offense, you're being led of the devil. Now, it doesn't, doesn't mean you can't leave a place. You just don't leave a place out of offense. You know, if you're leaving a place, you know, I, I prayed about it. I don't understand it, but I believe God is leaving me. Well, you're being led of God to leave. Of course, you, you can leave. But if you leave because of offense, you're being led to Satan and, of course, that gives them opportunity to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, uh, we're looking at this offense. And uh, we, we saw this, that really, whenever we are angry, upset, or miffed, 
in essence, we are offended. Now, we have to understand this. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. All of us, at one time or another, even this morning, could have been upset, miffed, angered, upset. We got our feathers ruffled. Now, does that mean we sin? No. To be tempted to sin is not a sin. If you are tempted to sin and you choose not to sin, you don't sin. Because if temptation is a sin, Jesus sinned. Jesus was tempted in all points as we are. That means he was, attempt, he was tempted to be offended. Now, what causes us to sin? Notice the definition, to be appalled, to be upset. That we, we get agitated and, and worked up and shocked. The definition says from that point, we do something that leads to sin, and that sin will lead us to separation. So offense is a process. It's a seed that is sown. And so just being angered or appalled is not a sin unless you voice it and unless you act on it. We looked at this scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, 26. And it says this, Ephesians 4, 26, it says, be angry. Now, it's not encourage you to be angry. A better translation is, if you're angry, if you're upset, if you're miffed. You know, we, we've all been there. Notice what it says, and sin not. So that means you can be angry, you can be miffed, you can be upset, and not sin. How do you sin? By acting on it. Because, uh, you know, when you get upset, you meditate on things you shouldn't. Then you start voicing things you shouldn't. You start acting on things you shouldn't. That causes you to sin. And that opens the door to the enemy. But here it says to be angry and sin not. Then it's very interesting. Let the sun not go down in wrath. Remember, part of events, be angry, upset. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. So, being angry and upset will open up the door to Satan if you allow it. That's why he says you need to get placed devil. So what he's saying, if you're, you're angry, you're upset, you're offended, we'll just use the word offended, you're worked up. Mm. As long as it stays there in you, you don't keep fussing it up here, thinking about it up here. You don't voice it, oh, I don't like it, you know, and voice that. And you certainly don't act on it. That means you sin not. You didn't open the door, and what? You gave no place to the devil. And so, it's important to realize, as long as you're in the body, you'll get offended. It's what you do with it. Now, there is one thing I... I'm addressing the sinful anger, sinful wrath here that, that Jesus said woe to. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm addressing the offense that caused the people of Nazareth to lose out. But is there ever a time it's okay to be angry? Well, uh, I want to give you a chapter and verse for that. In Romans 12, 9... Before we go any further, 
It says, let love be without dissimulation. Notice what it says, abhor that which is evil. You know what that word abhor means? To hate. You have to understand that every bad thing the devil has, like anger, hate, wrath, there's a holy original to it. Have you ever heard the term the wrath of God? See, the wrath of God is just and right because He is righteous. So there are expressions of anger and wrath that are righteous. And here the Bible says one of those expressions is to abhor or hate that which is evil. Let's just take the abortion and killing the babies. Does that upset you? Does that make you mad? Well, that's, that's a holy thing. That's a holy thing. When ungodly laws are passed and <clears throat> bam, you know, that upsets you because it's unrighteous and unholy. It is, it is a right thing. That is a proper flow of anger and wrath. It, wrath and anger should be only at unrighteousness, not directed at people that upset us. It's a wrong venue of that. And so you have to understand, the reason we will all get upset is it's part of our makeup to respond. But what's important is to, to channel that in righteousness. That's why it says, with angry, sin not. Well, how, how do you sin not? We'll just say a, a politician, man, ooh, you made this? Well, to sin is to start bashing them, talking about them, and, and posting things. But Jesus said this, what? Love your enemies. Do good to them to hate you. Pray for them to spitefully use you and persecute you. And so it's what you do when you're upset determines if you sin or not. So with that being said, we want to get into something really fun. Today we're going to answer the million dollar question. Why do we get offended? Why are we offended? What is the cause of me being angry and upset? Would you like to know the answers? It's, it's the answers we've all been waiting for. Soon we'll have a drummer up there. The cause of offense can be summed up in two main areas. Number one is because of carnality and spiritual immaturity. Number two, it's because of pride. If you study the Bible, and if you're honest with yourself, and separate yourself out of the equation, it will always point to one or two of those areas, or both. Now, this will date many of us, Way before the days of Walmart, there was a store called Twin Fair. How many remember Twin Fair? 
you're over 40. <laughs> well, my mama worked for Twin Fair. And she, she told me, I remember her telling me that in the employees' room or the break room, all Twin Fair employees had to know the rules. And there's a sign, and it said, the number one rule is this. The customer is always right. So that was their policy. That uh, they weren't going to fight things, they weren't going to fuss things. If they, the customer says this, they believe their customer. And there was another rule that they must learn. And it was this. Even if they're not, refer back to rule number one. Yeah. That was the two rules. Why did I bring this up? You being angry, upset, and miffed is always because of either carnality or pride. And if you think there's another reason why you should be, and rightfully so, refer to the first two. We've got chapter and verse. Chapter and verse for this. All right. Number one. I don't know if I can get all, all this good stuff out. We may have to continue this. But number one, the reason I'm upset, I'm miffed, I'm offended, is because of my carnality. I'm not saying yours. I'm going to say my carnality and my spiritual immaturity. 1 Corinthians 3.1. I know this does not apply to any of us here, but we're giving you good notes. That way you can help your neighbors. And all the church folk that don't come to church. All right. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual, but unto carnal, even unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with meat. For here until you were not able to bear it, neither are you now able to bear it. For you are carnal. Wherein I was among you is envy, strife, seditions. Are you not carnal and walk as men or mere men or as unconverted men? Here, Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, speaking for God, he writes a nice cheery letter and says, You Corinthians, you're carnal and you're spiritually immature. Well, now, carnal, if you don't know, means to be body-ruled or flesh-ruled, contrary to spirit-ruled. Now, why did Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, said you're, you're carnal and you're spiritually immature? He calls them babies spiritually. Verse 3, you are carnal. And this is why you're carnal. Where is there among you envying, strife, and divisions? Are you not carnal? And this is in walk as men. That walk as men means as unconverted men. That means if someone who is unsaved is right next to you, people couldn't tell the difference because of the way you're acting. That's what that means. And so here's a whole church of carnal folk, immature folk. They were fighting, they were fussing, they were in strife. So what is strife? Let, I'm going to use Reverend Jason here. Reverend Jason, I, I just love you, man. You put your hand up. Love you. 
I'm in strife with you. Man, this, isn't that wonderful? I'm just in strife. I'm not going to talk to them anymore. I mean, you know, that, that, that's, that's not the flow of strife. Something Reverend Jason said or did upset me, irked me, and therefore I'm angry at him and I'm separating from him. That's strife, right? And so these are the qualities that Paul is saying. You're, you're, you're fighting, you're bickering, and sedition means you're separating from one another. The Bible says we're to hold fast the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. When you're in strife, and I'm upset, I'm no longer at peace with you. And I've broken that bond of peace. The Bible says I should not break. That's what these Corinthians were doing. These Corinthians were carnal and spiritually immature. Why? They're upset and angry, fussing and separating from one another. Okay. So, let's just look at offense. Let me ask you this. Is being angry, upset, and offended, is that a fruit of the Spirit? Is that a, a wonderful God-like trait? Real quick, if you can do that, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, such, against such as no. So, when I'm in strife, bless God, I'm not talking to you, don't you look at me that way. Is that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith? I know in your Bible, it's not on my list. So, Offense is not a, a flow of the Spirit. Then what is it? Well, in, in the cha- same, same chapter, a few verses up, Galatians 5, 19, says this. Now the works of the flesh are manifested. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Those are all sexual sins. Idolatry. Witchcraft, mm. those are bad, big hitters. Those are the big, bad ones. Witchcraft and, and idolatry. But notice what's, what's connected right with witchcraft and idolatry. Hatred, variance, being upset, indifference, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, separation, heresies. All those things are the flow of offense. Being angry, being upset, talking, separating. So it's not the fruit of the Spirit. It is the fruit or the flow of our carnal nature, the flesh. So offense, I'm just pointing out, Why am I offended? Why am I angry? Why am I upset? That is the fruit of your fallen flesh. Yeah. 
thank you. We all have a flesh. But let's just put Galatians 5.24. says this. And they that are Christ have what? Crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. What are the affections and lusts of the flesh? Being offended. Being upset. Being miffed. Bless God, how dare you say those things to me. Do those things. That's your flesh. I mean, we all have flesh. You know, and the Bible says this, that the, go ahead, and Galatians 5, 16 through 18. Again, I'm taking many times for scriptures, just to point out that the flow of offense is the flow of the flesh. This I say, walk in the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, which is offense, strife, anger. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary, or opposites one to another. So you cannot do the things that you would. If you're led to the spirit, you're not under the law. What is it saying? The battle we all have. We're born again. We're spirit people. We're born again, new creatures of Christ. We have the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness. We have the very nature and character of Jesus in our spirits. But unfortunately, it's housed in this body that's not redeemed. And it has lusts and affections. Anger, wrath, malice, sedition, emulations, being miffed, being upset. Getting your feathers ruffled. All right? So I'm just painting a pretty picture here. When you are upset, when you're miffed, what flow are you in? Are you in the spirit? Are you, are you being Christ-like? Are you allowing your spirit to dominate you? Or are you allowing your carnal nature to dominate you? Yeah. See, spiritual maturity is this. Spiritual maturity is you say something that irks me. You do something that irks me. My flesh, I feel it. Hmm. My flesh feels it. But like Paul, I put my flesh under. I realize that's just not, that's my body. That's not me. That's the sinful nature in my body. And I don't give it a voice. I don't allow it to speak, and I certainly don't allow it to act. I treat it like a dog. Sit. Stay still. Or even more scriptural, play dead. We are to crucify the flesh. And the affections and the lusts. So, if I'm angry and upset, just the flow that you're in. Now, we can all agree on this. So, yeah, it's pretty defined, right? But do you, will you remember this the next time you're miffed at someone? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're edging me on. All right. I'm upset at Reverend Jason. I'm, man, I'm not talking to him. Talk to the hand, bro. Talk to the hand. Walk away. Reverend Jason. 
You know, he did this and made me mad. Bourbon Jason did the man. You know, and I start talking and acting like that. Most of the time, we cannot separate our flesh from our spirit when we're upset. Spiritual maturity feels that coming and says, oh, that's just my flesh. I put it down. I put it down. <clears throat> and if you get any louder, we're going to have to fast and pray more. And of course, your body doesn't want to have to fast and pray more, so it'll behave. Ask yourself, next time you're miffed at your wife or your husband, why are you miffed? Why are you upset? Slamming doors, not talking. You know what? You're being carnal. You are listening to your flesh. You are opening the door for Satan to come in. Now, remember Twin Fair? Refer to rule number one. When you are offended, upset, you will feel justified. I have a right to be upset. I have a right to be angry. This leads us to the second law. Pride. Pride. Yeah. Proverbs 13.10, please. Proverbs 13.10. Will we all agree the Bible's true? Yes. Notice what the Bible says. Only by pride cometh contention. Notice the word only. That means there's only one way. There's only one way that you're angry and upset. There's only one way that you're strife and division. There's only one reason for it. What is it? Well, it's their fault. They did this to me. They said this to me. I have a right. Yeah, that may be natural reasonings, and devil certainly would love for you to think that way. But that thinking, that reasoning is what? Pride. God resists the proud, and what? Gives grace to the humble. Satan wants you prideful. You know, when you're upset, say with your spouse, your employer, your neighbor, you feel that irking up, the devil goes, oh, what, what, what is that smell? The Bible says wherever there's strife and envy, there's there sedition and every evil work, it draws evil. And, oh, you're upset with your wife. You're upset with your neighbor. You're upset with your boss. You're upset with Sister Susie in the church. Let me help you. <laughs> and sits on your shoulder. And all of a sudden, you start thinking real clear of every offense. You, what are you doing? You're meditating on offense. You're meditating on the suggestions of a demon. Everybody does this when you're upset. But I'm here to expose it. When you're upset and you're thinking the justification, why you're upset and everything he's done, she's done, you are listening to a demon. And you're meditating on the words of a demon, not the words of God. Then, of course, the devil wants, to, wants you to begin to speak your offense. You idiot. You always do this. And you start speaking. You are now speaking the words of a demon. 
And then if you start slamming doors and giving cold shoulders, you are now acting on the words of a demon. Yeah. But when he comes, he's going to say, oh, you poor dear. Yeah, he shouldn't have said that to you. He always does that to you. You know, you, you deserve better, honey. You deserve this. You deserve that. And it makes you like you're the victim here. Or they hurt your little old feelings. And yeah, my feelings were hurt. Yeah, they shouldn't do that. I, I, I ought to be respected. They don't honor me as I should. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Yeah. Offense will always try to justify itself. Have you ever thought, I have a right to be mad, be angry? You know what that is? That's pride. And you, and you know, God resists the pride. You, you are just, you, you swallow it hook, line, and sinker. Not only are you given to the flesh, you are now into pride. There's no way around this, brothers and sisters. If you're spiritually mature, I can't wait. Be, be on guard next time you're upset. And you feel that. I know all of you and say, you know, I'm a spirit being. I'm not a flesh being. Yeah, my flesh is loud. No, sit. Play dead. I know you're all going to do that. Then when the thoughts come, and says, you know, you have a right to be upset. They always do this. They should know better. And after all, you, you've helped them in so many ways. And this is how they treat you. What is that? That's, that's, that's pride. You know what justifying offense is like? As being outside, working hard, and getting all sweaty, rolling in the mud. And you're dirty and you're stinky. And then you come into the house, you grab some perfume or cologne, and you spray yourself, and it says, I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm right. You are never right in offense. Again, we're all, we're all tempted. I'm, I'm trusting by the grace of God that you understand now how it works. Next time you're upset and miffed, you just smile and say, oh yeah, that's my flesh. That's as far as it goes. You've sinned not. You are a spiritually mature being. But Satan's going to come and he's going to dangle that little hook with that juicy worm. And he's going to tell you, mmm, yeah. You, and just, he's going to get you to bite on it. And says, yeah, he always says this. He always done that. He's done this 37 times in the last three weeks. You know, whatever it is, the thoughts. He knows how to push your buttons. And he's going to try to get you to bite that. But you're going to be spiritual. I'll pass. Thank you. That's spiritual maturity. Next time your husband gets you, you miffed. And, and you just don't want to talk to him. Slam the doors. You go up to him and give him a big hug. and says, I love you, honey. Even if he's like this. I just love you, honey. I'm reading this mail. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You become a spiritual mature person. Let, let's, my time is simple. Let's at least close with this. 1 Peter 2.21 If I'm angry, upset, 
It's what I do with it determines if I sin or not. Spiritual maturity tells the flesh down, does not entertain the thoughts of the enemy that will try to make you a victim or try to say, you know, you deserve better than this. All right? Notice the words of the Master. We'll close this with the words of the Master. 1 Peter 1, 21. Even hereunto you are called because Christ suffered for us, leaving an example that we should follow in the steps. So Jesus, Jesus left us an example. This is how you handle stuff. Who did no sin. Remember, be angry and what? Sin not. We can be if irked, upset, miffed, but we can choose to sin not. Neither was guile found in his mouth. So how do you give expression to sin? Is by you start speaking it. By venting. Yeah. Verse 23. Who, when he re- was reviled, reviled not again. You know what that means? They said bad things. Hurtful things to him. He didn't return it. That would be wonderful in a marriage, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be wonderful in the workplace? Wouldn't that be wonderful in the school, in our relations? If you say something hurtful or bad to me, I don't get offended. I just turn around and say something good about you. That's what spiritual maturity does. So we're not going to put a scale of where we're at on the sliding scale. Paul said this, not that I've obtained, but I press after. But this is the example Jesus gave us. It doesn't matter what people say or do to you. All right? Remember, if anyone had a right to be offended, it had been Jesus on the cross. Crucified. You're all pretty alive right now. I don't see any, you know, whip marks on your back, crown on your head, holes in your hands and feet. Unjustly. Spit on and crucified. And what do you say? You lousy Jews, you can all go to hell. God damn all of you. No. You said, Father, forgive them. They know not what to do, what they're doing. That's the example he's talking about. Your husband knows not what he's doing. Your wife knows not what they're doing. Your boss, your co-workers, sister Susie at church that pulls your levers and pushes your buttons. They know not what you do. You can't, you can't control what happens to you, but you can, you can control what you do with what happens. Spiritual maturity. Yeah. When he reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. Oh. Threatening and speaking evil. But committing himself to him that judges righteously. See, maturity, what if you are being mistreated? Well, that's God's business. There's so much I wish I could share with you. The Bible says this. Love your enemies. If you could go ahead and put that up at Matthew 5. Let's start with, I think, about 43. Love your enemies. If he just said that, we say, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, I love it. That what was it says? Bless them that curse you. It's not about cursing you, saying bad things. What do you do? Do you curse them back? You say something nice. That's what maturity does. 
Do good to them that what? Hate you. These are not even mistakes. Some of you can hurt someone, say something by mistake in a relationship. These are intentional deeds of evil. And Jesus tells you how to respond. You bless them. You do good to them. And you pray for them that despitefully, on purpose, hurt you. You pray for them. That applies to everything. Marriage, home, family, work. There's no room for offense when you do this. Now, the next verse, and I am fixing the close. That you may be children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sendeth rain on just unjust. Powerful law. And it'll be worth the two-minute wait that'll make you wait. You're good to other people regardless what they do to you because you're good, not because they're good. That's being godlike. God sends rain, blessing on good and evil, on the just. God is good because it's who He is, not because of how He is treated. And we're to be followers of God. That when people are doing things that hurt us, doing things, we respond with good. Not because they deserve it. It's just simply who we are. That you may be like your father. Which, the next, yeah, that you may be children of your father which is in heaven. That you may be an imitator of God. Imagine if every marriage practices. Imagine in the workplace, just with the law. Imagine Christians actually doing this stuff. That might just be the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy. And the world will know that you are my disciples by your strife, envy, and your doctrines. No, by your love. Well, I think that's about all we can handle this morning. Yes. Now, in all honesty, all I do is I preach to myself, let you listen to it. Every time I'm miffed, I, I, I ask myself, why am I miffed? And, you know, and unfortunately, I knew this. It's my flesh. And number two, my pride. And I have a choice to make. Choose wisely. (laughs) So I I trust you were helped in this mini-series. I didn't preach to you. I know you you have neighbors and relatives that can use it. And so just take good notes and minister to them on it. Let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful and thankful for helping us. Giving us clarity. Father, identify offense. There's never a reason for us to be offended. Only Jesus had the right as a perfect person to be offended, but he chose not to be offended. And so, Father, we're growing in this. Help us to be a people above offense, people of love, people that follow the Master. Father, to crucify the flesh and lust thereof. And, Lord, that uh, we would emulate your love, which would bring your blessing into our lives. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, Real quick, I know it's a Sunday morning, and uh, mainly the, the committed, devout come to church. But we want to make sure everyone's right with God this morning. This includes all those watching live stream. I want to give real quick two invitations. Number one, if you've never been born again. Jesus said you have to be born again. You'll not see the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what you think, what you believe, what your creed is. It's important that you know what God says. God says you can't go to heaven unless you're born again. Why is that? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nothing we can do to remedy our sin. 
we need a Savior. And it's only the blood of God that can save us. And that's why Jesus came and He died and, and uh, He rose again from dead to pay the price of our sins. And, uh, and Jesus offers His salvation to any, anybody. So whoever will, let Him come. It's not automatic. We, we must accept this. And so, if you need to accept Christ here this morning, present or online, go ahead and raise your hand. Anyone never been born again? I know here we have mostly church folks, but if you're online, go ahead and raise your hand. Secondly, if you're here and you're what we call backslidden, or the Bible calls a prodigal son or prodigal daughter, which simply means this, you've separated yourself from your blessing. It could have been by offense, or it could have been got busy, or you were lured away into something. It doesn't matter what caused you to separate. The most important thing is like the prodigal son in the Bible. He came to his senses, and he came running home. And the beautiful thing is father ran out to meet him, and restored him, and gave him back the blessing of being in his household. Brought forth the best. When you're away from God, you can never experience God's best. But when you come to Him, no matter where you've been and what you've done, God will restore you like you've never sinned at all. But you've got to come. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, you've been a prodigal son, prodigal daughter, you need to come back to the Lord, go ahead and raise your hand. Anybody here, I see the hand. God bless you. You can put it down. We had a hand raised, and of course we got a lot of people over the world watching. This is so important. What you do with Jesus will determine, like the people of Nazareth, you can, you can reject this, you can continue on your life and live your life on your own, but eternity will come. A day will come when you die, and what you did with Jesus will determine if you go to heaven or hell. And, uh, and so we're going to pray a prayer together, because it's so important. And so if you didn't raise your hand and should have, pray this prayer. We're going to pray with the dear one that raised their hand, and, uh, uh, and wherever you are, Whatever you've done, God's going to hear your prayer. And you're going to be changed. God's going to hear and you're going to be changed. And the rest of your life will set a course in a different direction because you gave your heart to God. So go ahead and do that. And so let's pray with the dear one and those that raise their hand online. Let's pray this together. Dear God, I believe that Jesus is your son. He died for me and rose again from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. I'm now your child. And my life will never, ever be the same again after this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to congratulate you, those of you that responded. Know this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I, I'm going to let you go. And... Uh, you have your marching orders, which is wonderful. Jesus said you will get offended. You know, you're in the world, an opportunity. May it not come today, but may it not be in the car on the way home. But when it does, just smile real big. And just say, that's my flesh. Sit, boy. Play dead. Don't say it. Don't do anything. Don't slam the brakes. And just, you sin not, and you've grown in maturity. So, and, uh, and if... If, if you don't take care of that, then pride will kick in and it'll, pride will, will hug your, your flesh and fortify your flesh so you have a right to be offended. You don't do that either. So we love you. God bless you. You are dismissed.